Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Working Title. This week's episode is one that I really enjoyed. I enjoy every episode because I get to talk to some amazing people, of course. However, this week's episode is one that is centered around the topic of financial literacy, which I know for some it's like financial literacy, snooze. However, we really do need to be better about exploring what it actually means to be financially literate. We talk a lot about wealth, we talk a lot about money, we talk a lot about finance, we talk a lot about how expensive things are, how the price of everything is going up, inflation, all these things and terminologies that we hear on a day-to-day basis. Well, that adults hear on a day-to-day basis. Some of us don't really have a full understanding of exactly what it means to be financially literate and what it means to actually practice actions that are rooted in financial literacy. It's one thing to have a budget. It's another thing to look for the best sales and the best prices on Black Friday. However, if you're not developing habits now that are going to benefit you in the future, you might discover that financial freedom is a distant dream as opposed to a realistic possibility. So today's conversation is with the woman that I connected with through Podmatch. Shout out to Podmatch. Maybe they should sponsor me at this point. I mean, just saying. Dr. Renee Baker is a personal finance expert and entrepreneur. She is the founder and CEO of the RBI Group, where passion meets practicality. She's dedicated to financial literacy and teaching people how to secure a brighter financial future. So go ahead and get comfortable. Sit back. Take a couple of long, deep, cleansing breaths and get ready for another conversation. Hello, hello, hello. I am super grateful for the opportunity to sit down and connect with you. I know that I want to give a shout out to Podmatch for putting people together that make sense for me. <laughs> it, the, one of the <laughs> hardest parts about hosting a podcast is finding good quality guests that really are in alignment with what I stand for, what's important to me, and people that also just have great stories to tell. Because I've had some people where I'm like, snooze. Uh, I wasn't really interested <laughs> in what they had to say. So Podmatch has done a great job. So thank you for this connection. We're going to dive right into our conversation. So I want to give you the mic and I'd like you to introduce yourself to the listeners, the viewers by sharing your name, where you're from and what you stand for. Oh, well, first, thank you so much for for having me on the podcast. And it is truly special when you can link up and find amazing connections, utilizing uh, the, the tools and resources that are ahead, um, that are available to us. But I am um, Dr. Renee Baker. I am personally, I'm a wife. I'm a mother of three amazing adult daughters, just three amazing humans. Um, I'm a daughter and I'm a friend and I'm a community activist and I care deeply about humans. Mm. Um, Professionally, still care about humans. I am an entrepreneur who trans transitions from the high stakes world of finance, financial services, from working on Wall Street 
and being in executive roles and positions and financial services. And through my journey, I've leaned heavily on connections and personal relationships. Mm-hmm. And most important to me in this stage and journey of my life is how to leave and leaving a legacy. So I'm relying heavily right now in my in my personal pursuits, my professional pursuits on personal finance. Mm-hmm. I apply those principles in my life, and we can talk about that, as well as my professional ventures. I've had amazing experiences, and mm-hmm. that's allowed me the opportunity to prioritize the decisions and the choices that I make today mm-hmm. and have the ability to take the wild ride and leap into entrepreneurship, but also prioritizing being mindful and having uh, continuing to have genuine connections. Yeah. You know, what I find interesting and also just exciting about Black women is that we have the power to pivot. We have a very natural, magical ability to go from one particular industry into another particular industry and find a really great way of integrating those skills and those passions and those learned experiences into something really great. And when I first saw your profile on Podmatch, I noticed, I said, personal financial expert and entrepreneur. And I was like, and she's also just a stunning human being as well. So, (laughs) you know, sometimes when we think about finance experts, we imagine like, you know, guys in suits with glasses behind, you know, computers and that's it, but she is stunning, y'all. So um, can you talk to us a little bit about your journey into specifically the field of finance and what are some of the things that led you in that direction? Yeah, so I love what you say about the power of the pivot. And I leveraged that so many times in our lives. And yes, yes, Black women specifically, we have that power. We have to pivot. We make it happen. And that really lies in the ability to to transform and to adapt and to continue to thrive and evolve when we're faced with challenges, right? So that, and, and I would say that that's kind of uh, the, the journey. I made a decision a very long time ago that I was going to disrupt the status quo. I didn't know, I didn't call it that at the time, but I knew I'm from a very small town in South Jersey. And for those of listening that are from New Jersey, you know, the first question we ask is, which part of New Jersey are you from? I'm repping the South, uh, why they call it the Garden State, by the way. And I'm from this small town. I am, you know, I, I'm raised with love, but we weren't really, I wasn't really raised with a lot of conversations around finance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my parents did not go to college. I decided that I was going to go um, to college and I was going to do, I was going to do what I wanted to be in this life and, and say and do what I wanted to do and not in a disrespectful way, but mm-hmm. I've always pivoted. So I, when I decided that I was going to go into um, finance, it really wasn't a decision that I made. Actually, mm-hmm. someone made the decision for me. You talk about pivoting. Mm-hmm. So my dis- when I was a child, I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted okay. to space camp. I, you know, all things space, right? Okay. And, and NASA. And I was going to be an astronaut. You could not tell me that I was not. And who knows? It, you never know these, like how things change. It could still happen, but right. that was what I wanted to be. 
then um, the Challenger disaster happens when I, I was growing up. And I mm -hmm. think that was my first wake up call on, um, oh no, like occupational hazard. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe, maybe I don't want to do that. It, that really had a, a profound impact on me and it, and it yeah. shook, shook me up. So then I went on, I was really good at math and science, decided that I was going to be a doctor, a okay. medical doctor. And um, then I went off to college and mm -hmm. decided, and then I was in biology and I had this one uh, uh, career counselor, I guess that's whatever you call it. But this woman said to me, you know, you seem to be very interested in the people, especially where we were working with cadavers, by the way. And I wasn't freaked out by the cadavers, yeah. but I wanted to know their story. Like if you see, I mean, I'm, I'm very inquisitive as a human. I have a lot of questions. I ask them a lot of questions, yeah. but I wanted to know their story. And I remember her specifically, I'll never forget her saying to me, you're too invested in the people. Mm. And maybe you should consider a career where you're not going to get so caught up. Um, and you're so good at math and science. Maybe go to business where it's not as much of an emotional burden. And it's mm. not, let me be clear. It's not as if I was crying and falling. Right. I just wanted to know what, what got them here. If you see a young person yeah. that's dead on a tape, you're like, I, I have questions. Yeah. Um, so some people take things the way they take them, but, but nonetheless, I moved to finance okay. and I will tell you that I truly believe and my grandmother always said this, my mother says this life happens for us, not to us. Yeah. And in that pivot, it has brought me to where I am today. I've had and, and, and continues to enjoy the work that I've gotten to do that I, that I choose to do today mm -hmm. and got into finance. And if you think about the guidance and the impact that we have on people, and that's why I'm so intentional today yeah. is because of had I been a different person, that career guidance, that guidance could have taken me down a different path. It worked right. out for me. However, looking back at that guidance now, that was so wrong because everything in my life has been about people. And I okay. still care about humans, even though I've been in this world of financial services for my entire career. Wow. And it's interesting that people, you know, bless their hearts, you know, teachers, career counselors, they, they only know what they know, you know, That's and right. they only know what they've lived, what they've been taught. And sometimes people that are in positions of career counseling or teachers for that matter, they think that based on what their lived experiences were, is what the children or the young people that they're teaching or educating or mentoring, that we're going to have the same experiences and without really knowing what someone's unique set of skills or talents or abilities actually is. And they make guidance based on that. You know, mm -hmm. I went through elementary school and was inspired by a character on a TV show uh, by the name of Claire Huxtable, who was a lawyer. Yeah. And I was like, I want to be Claire Huxtable. And so, right. you know, from sixth grade all the way through 12th grade, all the way through college, I was pursuing a path in law mm -hmm. with the intention okay. of becoming an attorney. And shortly after college, I had my very first job in a legal environment. It was in Charlotte, North Carolina, working in the DA's office. And I was like, ooh, wee, Jesus, this is not for me. <laughs> this is I, not 
this ain't it. This ain't it. Because much like you, just having a heart for the people and having a heart for their stories. And how did you end up here? How did you end up, you know, behind bars or in incarcerated? Or how did you end up on this path and was spending way more time, too much, apparently time concerned about the person right. instead of just following the letter? And it was after that experience and years of trying to find the right area of law, maybe not criminal, maybe civil, it's not civil, maybe family, maybe this, until I just had a wake up call and said, this is not for me. And I was trying to pursue a path that someone else had determined for me. And like you said, not to dis disrespect those elders, bless their hearts and mentors who were guiding me in that direction, but realizing that I had to disrupt that status quo and disrupt that path that I was on in order to end up where I'm supposed to be. So, That's right. and, and we have to do that. You know, we, we have to, especially those of us who choose to become parents, you know, we're setting an example with the way that we live our lives for our children. And they see us saying like, mom, mom doesn't really seem to love her job, but she keeps going. She keeps showing up she for work. <laughs> she, she keeps showing up there for one reason or another. So can you talk to us a little bit about your journey as an entrepreneur and a mother raising a family and things like that? What has that been like for you so far? Yeah. And um, so it, it, it is in alignment with what you were just saying. I think we can't always change the the challenges or the obstacles that we face in our life, but we absolutely can control how we respond to them and we face things head on, right? Yeah. So that is, you know, how the story goes and we get to ch choose that we actually do. I know that we have control of our story or na narrative. Mm -hmm. We must take control of it. So that's how that aligns to my path on becoming an entrepreneur right. and being a mother. Because when I became a parent as, as a young parent, mm -hmm. I didn't know what, what I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And when you know better, you do better. Right. And we, we may not realize how often in life when you're young, you don't know like, oh no, what, what, what you see what everyone else is doing. You think this is the right thing to do. And then, you know, with more information, you make different decisions. And that's how it went as a parent. And I'm proud of one. I'm glad that for me, I said, God knows God had a plan bigger than the one that I have for myself, for, for those that believe, and I am a believer, mm -hmm. God had a plan bigger than myself. And no, I didn't know why or how or what, Not I shouldn't say how, but I didn't know why it was happening, yeah. but it would happen for a purpose and a reason. And that's how it shows up for today. So I raised the most amazing humans. I was the youngest parent, but nobody was more involved I was very involved I was very present and sometimes I would walk into those schools I would I'm good for a drive-by I was mm -hmm. a very involved parent um, I think they call them helicopters yeah but, I'm one of those I got my helicopter I'm, bed I'm, I'm uh -huh. a helicopter right so <laughs> I, I call me the pilot parent because right. I was there um and, and you know not just me but and my family, yeah. uh, my husband, we were there, but I would say this, I would show up and these, there were parents who were much older than me who would not believe that I was a parent of these very well behaved. We do not play. Yeah. Um, I do not play. And they were very well behaved and they always were very respectful, proper mm -hmm. etiquette and mm -hmm. very smart. And they know um, a lot about money and they know a lot about finance because they we grew up together, right? Mm -hmm. They were 
with me while I was in school. Mm-hmm. I would have them read um, or I would be reading to them. So their story times were more probably about economics or what was happening in the fast pace of, of Wall Street journals. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was still a, a balance, right? We did what we had to do and, and we mm-hmm. were very open with them as to the journey. So yeah. for that, I'm very proud. But my focus when I was raising my children were my children. Mm-hmm. And I remember a situation where um, I had, when I was working on, on Wall Street in, in those early days, where I was working for a, an organization and I had a boss who was very demanding. And in the 90s and the early 2000s, that's the way it was. It was very yeah. demanding. And there was no work-life balance. And I had a thing to, a, a thing to do where I need to show up for my kids. Yep. I had this person say to me, well, um, at the the very last minute, because you can go to work and you don't know when you're going to get off work. That's right. And and this person said, I need you to be here. We need you to do here. You need to make a decision on what's more important to you. Mm. And in that moment, without thinking, I said, I know where I'm going to be. And that's with my children, right? I know where I'm going to be. Mm-hmm. and um, that's more important to me. Yep. I don't get this time back with these kids. Like I, you don't get, no, I'm no shade to anybody who puts their career ahead of their children. And you, we all have had to make decisions and I've had yeah. to make decisions that sometimes were for work more than for my children. Yeah. But there was no way that if I made a promise to my kids that mm-hmm. I wasn't going to honor that because that stays with them much longer. That's and right. I knew that. That's right. So I made that decision and it was, I think in that moment, I, I was starting to realize even back then, and this was in the, in the two thousands and I would get questioned of where's your commitment. My commitment is to my, the kids that I gave birth to and That's I shouldn't right. have to choose. And when the, those conversations started, I think it was back then, even before I realized it, that I needed to figure out how I was going to create the life that I wanted to live and how I was going to create the narrative that I wanted wanted to have for for my life and in and in the corporate environment for those that are in a corporate environment there's a lot of pros to being corporate and there's a lot of cons to being in corporate same as entrepreneurship but one thing that I decided to do and I got the kids out the house and thank God for the career that got them through their life choices and and yeah. provided a very comfortable life along in tandem with with the work that my husband does in law enforcement mm-hmm. but I I never, I wanted my children to see that they had options. I wanted to give them options. And in doing so, I had to create options for myself. Um, And and that's where we we go. That's how I ended up in um, in entrepreneurship. I, life changes, right? Like the world that that I started in in my career and the way that it is today is very different. But what I do, what I did start to realize is that now it's about creating legacy. We can get, we don't get more time. I can get another title. I can find another job, right? This is, this is a big world and I don't care what the economy is doing. What mm-hmm. is happening in the world, there will always be opportunities for right. those that you pursue them. But in the face of loss, I lost my, my grandmother. I lost mm-hmm. a few aunts. I lost my mentor all within a short period at the beginning of 2023. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, not that I was getting that pressure from my, um, my prior employer, but mm-hmm. what I was getting pressure was what, what did I want life to look like? What was the narrative that I wanted to leave? How did I want to control my story, my narrative? How did I want to create and build wealth for 
myself and for my family beyond the work. I couldn't earn myself into building the wealth that I want to create. Right. But it, it really was about now taking control of my story and my legacy and making the leap to, to do so. So that is how I came into making the decision to go and uh, to, to entrepreneurship, recognizing that I'm equipped with what I need. I have experience. I have relationships. I have insights, but most important, I'm very passionate about this work. Um, And, and I don't care what anybody says. I, I, I'm, people don't make this, um, this not a flex, I should say right now, but you you still can't outwork. So I'm going to figure it out. And you talked about the power of the pivot Mm -hmm. and we black women, we, we figure it out. And that doesn't mean that women don't figure it out, but we have a different, there's a different thing that we are bringing that we have to face that is going to make me figure this out. And, And that's exactly what I'm doing. And I couldn't be more proud of myself. Yes. And I couldn't be more grateful to put myself in a place where I can make choices and I will never be the person. Um, and they say, never say never, mm-hmm. but I will never be the person who has someone make a choice between their family and the work. Yeah. Yes. That's, I think that is a, a mother's struggle sometimes a mother's challenge and, and you know, no, no shade to the dads. But I think when you're faced with that decision between career and children, the idea that so many women have to face that decision on a regular basis, especially in corporate America, where if you don't show up, you don't get the check. If you don't show up, you won't get the promotion. If you don't show up, you might lose the whole job. And kind of to your point, there's always more opportunities. There's always something else out there. And my journey into entrepreneurship looked similar to yours where, I mean, I I became a mother in my early twenties. So by the time I had been in corporate America for a little while, I had done the juggling, the preschool and the daycare and somebody to pick the kid up from school. And, oh, I got to miss that, you know, play or that Mm -hmm. workshop. I can't be like that. And it got to a point where it took my son saying, mom, please don't miss any more of my plays. Please don't miss any more of my performances. I really need you to be there. That was a wake up call for me to say, wait a minute now. I mean, this job is cool. This career is great. However, we don't get that time back. And they're only little for so long. They they spend more time being adults than they do as kids. And I had to make a decision to say, how can I create something that will generate the income and the revenue that I need to be able to provide for my child mm-hmm. without having to sacrifice the time with my child. Because right. paying for a driver, paying for a tutor, paying for this, that's cool, but it didn't make any sense because I was missing out that quality time that I know was going to be gone in an instant. And in so an instant. making that transition into entrepreneurship for me was it, like you said, it comes with its own set of challenges. It comes with its own, you know, set of, you know, obstacles and things, but the reward of being able to be an example to my son to say, look, this is what's possible when you take a leap of faith, when you step out on faith, as they say, and you know Mm -hmm. that you will be provided for there, there will be a way for things to come together. It's a beautiful example to set for your children. So you mentioned something that stood out to me and it was, talking to your children about finance. 
introducing the conversation about money. And for those who don't know, I, my, my son's father, my ex-husband and co-parent, he's a financial planner. So Mm. we were really young and he was studying for the series seven studying for the six, two, (laughs) six, taking all these finance classes. Our son was like, an infant and you know we're reading the books and introducing the conversation having conversations about money from when he was a child so mm-hmm. now that he's a young adult this is not new information for him but for many families conversations about money just don't happen so if you would share a little bit about what those money conversations were like with your children and how you've seen the benefit of introducing what we call financial literacy to them at a young age yeah, well, I'm glad that you um, that you mentioned it, and and I know that it is quite a journey. To um, I think the career of financial planning is absolutely amazing, and this career is wonderful. However, there are <laughs> things that we work through as as a result of it. I'll I'll say yes. that. But one of the things that I found to be critically important, especially as a person who didn't grow up talking about money, mm-hmm. all I ever heard was um, whenever we did talk about money, it's like, okay, money doesn't grow on trees. And I'm like, yeah. all right, well, well, it's, you know, okay, it doesn't grow on trees, but- Does it grow on plants? Is it available? Where does it grow? I need to know where that is. <laughs> and yeah. when I got to, when I were, were started working in finance, I was like, oh, this is where the money is growing. There so it is. No, it doesn't <laughs> grow on trees, but it can grow potentially through um, investing and, and that sort of thing. So those conversations, as I started becoming educated, I started talking to well, you know my parents about it. I started to tell um, my friends about it and and getting really excited about, whoa, this, there's all this information about money. And this is before internet and all yes, the right. access that we have today. And started having these conversations about banking and just fundamentals to some people. When I would go to college when I was in college or when I started working, these are conversations that other families were having, but they were not conversations that we were having. And I will say, you know, there's a lot of data and statistics around the wealth of uh, the gap of the, the mm. racial wealth gap mm-hmm. and how it's so pronounced between black and white households and other mm. minority communities that are impacted. And it, it really does start with how we, our mindset around money, the conversations right. around money. Um, so I didn't want that for my family. Mm-hmm. So we have, it's Friday. It's um, finance Fridays would be the day that we would talk about, hey, it's Friday, it's Finance Friday, and we're going to talk about money. Now I need to change it to maybe wealthy, wealthy Wednesdays or something. But okay, I like that. Wealthy <laughs> Wednesdays, I'm going to tell the girls about that. But the reality was we started to have conversations about money, and I believed that it was critically important and for me to be transparent with the girls um, and I still call them the girls. And yes, they are adults, but they are the girls. They're going to be the um, girls forever. Yes. The girls, um, about money and about understanding that the wealth of a black family is just a tenth that of a black fa- of a white family and showing them what it is, showing them that while there are a lot of issues that have happened in the history of our country and the history of black people that have impacted the progress that have been made around money there are still opportunities for us to be able to create wealth. So I wanted them to know that there's a history here. We didn't just, not working, it's not that we don't work hard. You can work hard 
still have these barriers, but then here's the opportunities. Here are the things that we can do. And we start with the fundamentals, right? We would, we would talk, I would, we would, we didn't give them, um, uh, an allowance per se, Mm -hmm. but they had like an allocation. We'd give them money. We would have them spend their own money. They all had, um, bank accounts. And then when they got to a certain age, we stopped giving them um, gifts. You don't need any more plastic. What you need is you need to start building wealth. So we started to transition to investments for the holidays and having those conversations. You're not going to get more. You want Nikes? You're going to get Nike stock. That's right. And especially, and, and, and listen, they're not low maintenance girls. And I, I don't know where they got that from, <laughs> uh, by the way. But um, what I would say is um, we started showing them and didn't take anything from them, right? Because we're, we don't have this, we don't have a mindset of lack, but you could also be an investor in these situations. And here's what we need to do. And we started that early conversation started to create a blueprint and a mm. framework for what they can do to help to achieve and build financial freedom for themselves. Now, that being said, it sounds all beautiful and fancy. They don't always <laughs> listen, right? But you they don't always going. listen. No, <laughs> so you keep talking. Yeah. yeah, they don't listen. We put them on our credit cards early, mm-hmm. and this is a funny story if if I can indulge in it because I yeah. know there are other parents out there. So we started putting our um, so we put that we would put the girls on their credit card on our credit card and they would be an authorized um authorized for the account mm-hmm. and, and when they were a teenager so around 16 we okay. would put them on the accounts um the first one um we did not give a limit because we gave her the card like here's your card we're going to start helping you build credit you have access you know we're going to get you going and 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 homegirl was was buying out Applebee's for her friends. She was like, like "Oh, so, it's on like, mom, yeah, it's on like, dad." Oh, yeah, like I got you. Like why are you <laughs> buying out Applebee's? Like what are you doing? Um, yeah. so she, you know, so that I didn't know what I didn't know. Hey. So then, I'm like, all right, so okay, your credit is cut. Like your limit. We're gonna have to reel that back in. Yeah. Um, so then as the, um, so as we got through the other girls and the first two were pretty much the same humans, um, but the lesson, right. Okay. So by the time we got to the third one, we had, um, she was on Amex. So you could put limits on the accounts. Um, and she just got off, um, she's 25 now, but she just got off. But the reality is we were helping them understand the value of credit. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that, I think debt can be bad, but I didn't want to frighten them into, oh no, the scary that right. I wanted them to understand that we can benefit from um, that leverage can be a benefit and we should be able to pay for what we buy that's right. um, credit scores and why that's so important. So we did have those conversations and I'm, I'm very proud. Like today they're all adults. Um, I see how they are leveraging that they have multiple streams of income because Mama and Papa always had a side hustle. And in yeah. our world and financial services, it was outside business activity. So it was OBA all day for me. Yeah. Um, but multiple streams of income because I wasn't also wanted to rely so heavily on the job that yeah. if they made a decision to downsize, that meant that our lives would be impacted. Um, right. We also didn't, um, simple things, right? Putting away money for retirement, not mm-hmm. spending more than... Um, not spending more than we earn right. and also understand that there's troubled economies and potential job losses. So 
one um, during the 2008-2007 um, joke. I don't know if it's as funny now, but you know we had Finance Fridays and they were being particularly um, high maintenance that week. And um, I was like, listen, there's a lot of economic turmoil in the world and there's a lot of high pressure on us uh, financially to decide. And, and we're going to have to let one of you go. Going to have to let one of you go. Going to have to lay someone yeah, off this week. Because you, like, you want all of this and, yeah. and here's where we are. So that that that's a joke that we, 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 <laughs> we laugh about today, but yeah. it really helped them understand um, the value of, of, a, of a dollar. And they, our oldest daughter is getting married now. And one of the most beautiful things that was music to my ears was hearing her say, mom, I don't want to spend Fifteen thousand dollars for a wedding dress. That's wow. I don't even want to spend a thousand dollars. I'd rather take that money, right? Us making the assumption that we were paying mm-hmm. for this wedding, of course. right? Um, say, yeah. Yeah. Reasonable um, assumption, yeah. Money for the wedding, and I want we want to use that um, to buy properties and, and invest yeah. in, in real estate. So that just so when that that conversation is is now they're getting married um, next year. And there's so much, there's so much focus on the, the wedding is, and that's how we always were. The wedding mm-hmm. is a part of your life. It is not One your day. entire life, right? That's there's right. a life that's ahead and they're looking about financial stability yes. now and thinking about it. So I, I see, you know, I have so many of those stories, but for those mm-hmm. parents out there recognizing too, we don't have to know everything about money to expose our children to money. And there's a lot of tools and resources available to us today that, that I certainly didn't have access to Mm -hmm. then, but we don't have to have it all figured out, but we do have to have that conversation just like we have the conversations around everything else. That's right. Um, And we don't want to leave our children's, um, the, the way they learn about money, just like you wouldn't want to do that about sex or anything else. Right. You wouldn't want to leave that the chance or to social media. So I think it's really important for us to have that conversation and set the standard in our own homes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that conversations about money that start at home, prepare your child to explore on social media or to have conversations with friends or even things that they might learn in school because you know I went to I graduated from high school in the 90s and back then there were no conversations about money mm-hmm. we had statistics we had economics we had you know government and we learned about the systems that we live under but we never had conversations about budgeting about you know earned income about entrepreneurship about taxes about investments about estate planning we never talked about those things i was i had one teacher shout out to mrs dumont i had one teacher who part of her lesson plan in sixth grade was about how to balance a checkbook and how to manage a bank account that was it that was all that happened at school and so i think the conversations and introducing and encouraging and strengthening financial literacy is a family conversation especially for black folks because like you mentioned we're aware of the wealth gap we know that it exists we also know the whys behind it however the conversation can't stop there because otherwise what happens is what a child graduates school. Maybe they had a job in high school. Maybe they didn't. They might pursue college or they might pursue career directly from high school and they get that first paycheck. 
And when that first paycheck hits their bank account, they're like, oh, we I'm rich. And it's like, yes. no, you're not. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Let's talk yes. about this. And then they stumble and they fumble and their credit's getting destroyed. So by the time they hit 30 and they might be ready to buy their first home, they have no idea what right. to do. They have no idea where they're going to find that down payment. They're trying to beg, borrow and, you know, hope that someone passes away and leaves them something or whatever it is, but they have nothing. And then they're kind of just fumbling their finances for the rest of their lives until they reach a point where they can't work anymore. They're right, they're yeah. at retirement age and they're relying on maybe social security to try to sustain their lifestyle. And we know that that's not really sustainable that's at all. So yeah introducing conversations about money when your children are children. Yes, you know, uh, what's that child's name? You know, the, the, the princesses of Disney are all cute and wonderful and that's great. And they got, you know, Prince Charming who's going to come save them and whisk them off to wealth. However, that's not reality. And so and that happy. is not a financial plan. <laughs> that is not a financial plan. <laughs> Waiting for somebody to come and rescue you. Right. Building your own bag, as they, as the young people right. say now, you know, developing a sense of wealth, especially for young women, especially yeah, for young women, because oftentimes, you know, that, that, that conversation isn't being had with girls. Maybe dads will sit down and talk to their sons about money and, you know, things like that, but it's not a consistent conversation. And I think that the more that we normalize conversations around money and the sooner that we introduce the concept of financial literacy and wealth building, the better off the next generation of kids are going to be because- yeah. I have peers and I'm in my mid forties have peers that I'm teaching things about finance too. And I'm not a licensed financial planner or a, a finance you know, expert at all. And I'm like, follow this person on Instagram. This is who you need to sit down with. Do you have a person to do your taxes? That it like conversations like that, open a Roth IRA for your kid. As soon as they That's come right. out the womb, uh, get them a social security number and open them a 529. Even if they don't use it for college, they can use it for this. Like things that I learned by proxy from my lived experience, I'm teaching my friends and their kids are already in their twenties. They're like, dang, I wish I had known that. I wish I had known that. And so how do you bring the financial conversations that you have within your family? How do you bring them into the community and, and how is it being received? Yeah, well, that a uh, great question. And, um, but first I want to also acknowledge sure. how great it is that you are having these conversations with your girlfriends. And I would say, get yourself some friends that are going to talk about money and goals in the future, not other people, yeah. because having those conversation and, and being transparent is also, we're doing peer to peer sharing and That's learning right. and we're empowering each other, which is so critically, um, important. So, you know, taking that conversation from, you know, the, the table, like mm -hmm. the dining room table and from the house and um, to the community really started with my conversations that I would have working in um, finance. So when I was working in, in corporate, I would have those conversations and we would do wealth building workshops and have that conversation with um, different communities. I love sharing information. And I don't think you have to be a financial expert to have the conversation, but we, as long as we have it and we're never mm -hmm. too late. So now with having this uh, organization where we're focused and we're focused in on financial empowerment and using financial education to not only educate, but empower and help elevate the lives of individuals, mm -hmm. it is, it is hand-to-hand -hand combat sometimes, right? Yeah. 
it's, I know I should do more videos, but I need to do that. But a lot of these conversations are taking place, whether we're giving workshops, we have a series of tools and resources that we have very robust for, for children. We want to get them, get to them sooner, but having those conversations, and I will talk about money to anyone that will listen. You can't right. sit next to me and not talk about money with my friends on airplanes and restaurants and yep. workshops and community centers. Well, whenever I'm doing a speaking engagement, I'm mm -hmm. also a professor. I talk about it with my students. Um, it is just something that is just natural for me to do and to have that conversation, um, for me to have that conversation. So while you know we have the community piece and someone mm -hmm. said to me, there are so many resources out there for financial education. Yeah. And I said, and, and we need to have more. We need people like me, like you, mm -hmm. like everyone out here that's having a conversation is certainly not competition. It's right. cooperation. It's a collaboration as we empower and educate individuals around the importance of owning our financial journey and having financial freedom and doing so. Right. So that those are some of the things that, that, that I'm doing and continuing to do it. I'm looking to have um, some events. We're working within my organization. We're looking to have a, a FinLED experience in April in the Tampa Bay area to educate families um, in, in the community around financial education and making okay. it accessible in partnership with some organizations. Uh, we're, I'm also partnering with other organizations who want to get this information out there. And sometimes, you know, how money is so very personal. Sometimes it sounds very complex. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for, to meet people where they're at yeah. in our community, in the black yes. community, there's a significant distrust of financial organizations. Yes, so what happens is you have people who take advantage of this, the community. So you need right to be able to be a part of the community to help. So oftentimes it's not about the ask, it's about the opportunity. I'm yeah. more relationship driven than transactional, mm -hmm. transactionally driven, and it's about impact and influence. So while there are a number of ways to get the word out, I would say that there's a number of individuals who are having the conversation. I am one of them who is yeah. very passionate about it and who uses my practical expertise. I spent many years in the industry. I also applied that in my home life and I live, I live what I, what I preach. Yeah. I, I like how you touched on specifically within the black community that there are a little bit, there is a little bit of resistance, I should say. And it's because of, you know, experiences with other people. And then sometimes our own people who have taken yes. advantage of those who don't necessarily have the financial acumen or the financial literacy or just like the understanding of money that other people do. And I think what's valuable about what you're doing in particular is being aware of that so that when you do host workshops or events or gatherings that you're going into it that with that sensitivity and that sense of compassion and understanding, hey, I know that y'all have probably been done wrong or screwed mm -hmm. over at some point or another and letting people know that there are tons of resources that's available, like you mentioned earlier, 
pre-internet, you know, it was kind of hard to find this information, but now there's TikTok videos all about, you know, money and financial planning and things like that. But being able to connect with a person or an organization, especially something that's woman-centric, that's woman-led, that's family-centric, really does have value. So I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing. We're going to switch gears a little bit as we come towards the, the latter part of our conversation today. And something I like to do with each guest, it's a couple of little fun exercises, is to give our listeners a chance to get to know a little bit more about you. So mm-hmm. the first one I call complete the sentence. I'm going to give you three sentence prompts and you can complete them however you'd like. Again, taking up as much or as little space as you'd like. The first is, I am happiest when? When I am, I am happiest when I am with my family and we are laughing and sharing and being together. That nothing brings me more joy than when I'm spending time with my, with my family. I know I've made an impact when? I know I've made an impact when I hear from someone who who I've met in the past or who I, where I've shared something and they come back and they say, I applied, I've taken action on this thing, or you've never met me and I saw or heard something that you did and it felt so relatable to me um, and it, it empowered them. So that's when I feel like I make an impact, when I help someone, even if I never know mm-hmm. that they've, they've been empowered and they're impacted positively because of an experience that they've had in the counter. Something most people don't know about me is? Something that most people don't know about me is that I am a bit, big risk taker and I love love some people know but I love skydiving and there's so much power in going up I gotta take a couple minutes for this because this brings me a little bit of joy too okay the first time that I went skydiving I was afraid I was so terrified and I came up in my mind with all the things that could go wrong Mm. and I remember my husband saying um but what about all the things that go right and once you do that once you do that, you will never be afraid of the possibilities, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm never going to be afraid of the possibilities because I ain't going to make it. Right. <laughs> this is, I'm not going to be afraid of nothing because this is it. <laughs> but what I will tell you mm-hmm. is when going up, the, the scariest thing was going up. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the edge where you're about to jump, and this is a tandem jump. So, right, I'm, I'm doing this with someone. I'm not alone because okay. this is jump with a, with a human another person who's just as invested in in the survival as I am, or even more so. Yeah. And when you get to the end of the plane, if if people, as people are listening, if you can imagine getting to the end of the plane, the wind is blowing, the door opens and it's your time. And you look down Mm. and you see, you see nothing. You can't see it. Just everything looks so far away. Everything looks so attainable. The ground looks so unattainable, looks so far. And when you take that leap, it's the fright, most frightening thing. And then, for me at least, it is the most peaceful drop. And then once you get through, because you got through the fear, 
if you're already in it, you jump. And then the most beautiful, you just look and you see that's where the journey and you see the beauty of the world. You see the beauty. You get to see so much, the very different perspective. Mm. And then as you go glide down and you, you get the view and the perspective um, is so peaceful. Mm. And then when you land and you realize that you did something that felt impossible maybe an hour or so before and you land on your feet and everything is okay. And this might've been really hard, but you didn't die. <laughs> and you live another day to tell the story and do it again, yeah. should you choose. But that, and that's another lesson in, in like taking the risk, going for it, realizing that sometimes it's just a different perspective that you need to achieve whatever it is that you want in life. And sometimes everything that we want, oftentimes everything that we want is on the other side of fear, including being more empowered right. and doing it alone, sometimes really scary. Mm. But if you can be also with someone that you trust in the journey and you jump with them, that is just so, it's just such a realization that everything that we need is, is available to us. And that sometimes we just got to jump. Um, yeah. So, so that's a long story, but that's most so people good. don't know that about me and I will jump. If I feel afraid of doing something, I'll jump and I may never post about it. I will never tell anybody about it. Uh, but every time I do it, it just gives me, um, it always gives me a different perspective. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was, I was, I was with you on the edge of that plane. I'm like, <laughs> Yes, I know that feeling. I know that feeling oh so well. And taking risks, I mean, without great risk, there's no great reward, right? So sometimes right. we have to be willing to take that jump and take that risk and take that leap without knowing. Even a good friend of mine would say, do it afraid. Don't wait yeah. to not be afraid of it. Do it afraid. That's do what it afraid. And be calculated. Yeah, be calculated. Make sure you got your net and just you got You got to act the strategy. You got to parachute. We out know? here <laughs> jumping. Just jumping. Yeah, like we're not, we're not advocating just jumping without a parachute. Just for the record. Okay. Go for it. Go for, Go for it. it. You have to. The next thing I like to do with each guest is I am the calm coach. And part of what I do is support clients and people with the practice of meditation. And so we're going to do a little brief visualization together if you're, if you're up for it. So I just want to invite you to find a comfortable position for your body if you're not already. And if you would like to close your eyes, you're welcome to do so. And we're going to take three deep breaths together, breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth at your own pace. Breathing in and out. In and out. Last one, breathing in and breathing out. I'd like you to visualize yourself at 16 years old. You see yourself, you're with this person. What do you say to her? 
And so to go back to my 16-year-old self, I'll say, be unapologetic in going after and pursuing the thing that sets your soul on fire. And don't be afraid because everything always works out. All you have to do is begin. Mm. Let's take another big deep breath in and a long breath out. Now I'd like you to visualize all the way at the end. We don't know how far in the future it will be, but I'd like you to share with us what would you like to be remembered for? So, in the end, I want to be remembered for having pursued the thing that sets my soul on passion, that, that sets my soul on fire and being passionate and that I want for everything that I wanted and that I've left a legacy, a fabulous legacy in heels, of course. Yes. Big deep breath in and a long and steady breath out. And when you're ready, gently blink open your eyes. Thank you for, for sharing that with us. The very Thank last you. thing I do with my guests is um, I'm working on an affirmation deck. This is the, the, the piloted version of it. And these are affirmations that I've written, that I've used, that I've carried with me throughout the years. And for each guest, I like to just pull just one card for you. And it's an affirmation that you can take with you and carry with you. And if it resonates, let me know. And if it doesn't, uh, leave it, leave it behind. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so the affirmation card that I have for you, this is the back of the card and this is the, the front of the card. I like to, can I acknowledge the fact that um, hot pink is my color and hot pink is your hot pink. Hot okay. pink is my color. I'm wearing a hot pink too. Right you now. sure? Okay. Oh, yeah. uh, and this is my color. So already, I don't know what's going to say, but I just had to acknowledge that I already feel in alignment with whatever Lovely. this message is going to be. <laughs> okay. The message says, identify your wants and decide what you're willing to do or not to do in order to be or have whatever you desire. Clarity begins with your ability to decide. Oof. Re message received acknowledge and verified that that is so apropos for this time and this season in my life so thank you you're very welcome well this has been a pleasure for me to get to know a little bit more about you to hear more about your story to hear more about your family your journey as a, as a professional Black woman in finance and family, would you let us know how can we connect with you? And if there's any special projects or events or workshops that you'd like to share, this is your time. Oh, thank you. And thank you so much for the opportunity. I feel calm already speaking to you. <laughs> so thank you. Um, so to contact me, I think, um, well, I love to connect with people on LinkedIn. That's the best way to follow my journey. So you can find me, Dr. Renee Baker, uh, across all platforms, Dr. Renee Baker, 
If you are a person who uses social media, it's at it's Renee Baker. Um, that's consistent across all social media platforms. Um, and importantly, right, the work that I do. So my company is the RBI Group. We're at the intersection of marketing and finance. And you can go to the rbigroup.com to learn more about the work that we do to get involved in our mission, as well as learn more about the events and, and things we have coming up. And I love to hear from people to share their feedback around what are the needs uh, that are necessary in the community, whether you're um, then you have children or you're a retiree. I don't think there's ever a time that we shouldn't be having uh, this this conversation. It's never too late from my standpoint. So always feel free to, to reach out. I will never deny an opportunity to someone to, or spend time with someone who wants to learn more about getting better every day and helping to identify what they need to do with their within their financial journey to be empowered. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Renee. This has been fantastic. Everybody, if you're not following her or reaching out to her organization, I'm going to email you and tell you about yourself. So <laughs> you need this, you need this knowledge, you need this wisdom. And thank you for sharing your story. And thank you for sharing your, your practice of skydiving and taking that leap. I know I'm going to carry that with me throughout the rest of this week. That's for sure. And being bold and courageous enough to take risks is something that we all need to be reminded of. So I appreciate you sincerely. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me and for all the wonderful work that that you're doing and reminding us to to have a little bit of chill and take time to enjoy the journey. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to stop our recording now. That was a pretty dope episode. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more about Working Title, the podcast, be sure to follow us on Instagram at calmcoachpod, or you can find me at www.keyshawnrains.com. I'm also at Keyshawn Rains on all the socials, and you can find this podcast wherever your podcasts are podcasting. Thank you again for listening. Peace. It's time to wrap this up. And I just want to say very sincerely, thank you. You have your choice of thousands of different podcasts that you could be listening to each day. And I appreciate you for choosing this to be one of them. Right now in this moment, I see the light. I see the love, the wisdom, the beauty, the prosperity, the creativity, and the pure joy that shines within each of you. And I bow humbly before your divinity. Namaste. Namaste.